0: Site.
1: All right, friends and family, welcome back to the Complete Sentences podcast. I am your host Rocky. Sitting next to me is Ty. You know, I keep forgetting that Ty is in Germany now. It's a little awkward for me. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's it's just me. So I'm going to try to keep you guys entertained. Uh, it shouldn't really be too hard, especially not with the help of today's guest. We have an amazing actress by the name of Jessica Cameron. She is a scream queen, and in fact, her her uh, debut, directorial debut, which she wrote, directed, and starred in, Truth or Dare, will be coming out hopefully a little bit later in this year. We're going to ask her all about that and so many other things. Uh, that's going to be coming up soon, so we'll get into that. But first, got to say what the show is brought to you by, because that's what we do on podcasts, man. We talk about what today's show is brought to you by, and where you can send your emails to and rate and review the show on iTunes and all that stuff. So please rate and review the show on iTunes, and you can send any emails to CompleteSentencesPod at gmail.com. I'm not going to... We have a donate button at our website, which you can get to if you just fucking Google Complete Sentences Podcast. We're at com. If you want to donate money, that would be Amazing click that little button at the bottom of the website and send us whatever you can because it, it, it helps keep things running. But I'm not going to ask you to donate too often. I listen to a lot of podcasts that I feel like are always asking uh, for donations, which I understand. And you know what? A lot of places are probably running a much higher operation than we are. Uh, this is just me and Rodrigo sitting here now. I got the computer in front of me. He's sitting behind the desk doing God knows what. I got a couple dynamic mics here and a little mixer that just has the little knob going back and forth, the little needle. Other than that, man, um, I'll get. we'll get into a little bit of what we're doing a little bit later whenever we get into mail time, but for now, um, if you want to donate, please do so. That's awesome. If not, don't worry about it. Today's show is brought to you by Respect for Other People, all right? And a lot of you out there that are asking yourself, respect for other people, what the fuck is he talking about? You are the people that need to listen up. I'm not trying to start any shit here, and, you know, I'm not trying to be like Grandpa Rocky talking to you guys about this because I feel like I'm with it with a lot of stuff. Like, I'm a cool guy, you know? But I hate being at the gas station and, like, you come in with your SUV or your sports car, which is fine, but you gotta be blaring, like, your loud rap, hip hop whatever music even if it's not rap you know but anything with the loud subs that's just like rattling everything and you got to be so loud about it i hate that like it's kind of obnoxious you know it's it's a society out there and some people are just trying to to fill up their tank and get a red bull and get out of here we don't have to hear what you're listening to every day you know what i mean like I I really would prefer it if you would just wear like bells around your neck or something just if you want to be noticed everywhere you go. It would even be cool if you wore if you wore a shirt that just said I'm an asshole. Like a lot of people would notice that and that would be super cool and I would even like respect that a little bit more. You know, cuz if you're going to wear the wear the shirt and you're going to get negative responses to it, you're just doing it, man. Like you're out there doing it and you're doing it because you love attention. But the rap music and the 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 loud subs—that's just something that um, isn't very cool. And I, I'm not saying I have a problem with listening to loud music on an on an awesome sunny day because I do that too with the windows rolled down. But the here's the here's the clincher, here's the clinker, here's the uh, here's the quelcher. Whenever I pull up to a red light where there are other people sitting there in their own little worlds and maybe they want to enjoy the same the same cool breeze that's going on outside and they don't want to hear whatever I'm listening to even though whatever I'm listening to I think is like really cool you know because that's just how I feel I feel like my music is the best and I'm sure everybody feels like that it's not just me I'm not saying everybody feels like my music is the best everybody feels like their own music is what's cool whenever i pull up to this red light and i see these people sitting around in their their own little worlds I either have I got to make a quick, fast decision in my head. If I want to keep the music up at this level, I'll roll the windows up. Just as a common courtesy, not everybody has to listen to what I'm listening to. Um, if I don't feel like doing that, and I love the breeze, the breeze is uh, is the winner in the in this uh, ongoing ongoing battle here. I will just turn the radio down just a little bit. All right, that's not even really where I'm going with this. Because that's that's the least of what I'm complaining about is somebody pulling up to red light having music blaring. I'm just using myself a, as an example, and I feel like maybe I'm overly polite. Maybe that's my problem. Maybe I need to get my shit together. It's, it's the subs that... I, can anybody really enjoy music that just sounds like... <laughs> That is not an enjoyable melody. Like, there is no melody to that at all. You're doing it just to be loud and and fucking... And let people know that you're there. So, I don't know. That's kind of what what I'm complaining about. That's what's stuck in my craw today. So... I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this anymore. Just... The subs are too much. Just turn it down when you're around other people. And that would... Right. Um, My phone's ringing now While I'm recording this I guess I probably should have put my phone on silent But then again Sometimes I don't really have respect for anyone around me Or anyone listening to this podcast If you'll excuse me I can take this call Now we're going to do something a little different Um, because I'm the only one here now. I want to keep things interesting, keep the wheel rolling. I'm going to start reading emails that we get in from our listeners. And this segment will forever fondly be known as. So thank you to everybody that takes the time to write in. We really appreciate it. Um, I'm going to focus on this one from Simply Ivan. Simply Ivan says, Dear CSP, I love the show, and I've been a listener for about six months. I was just wondering why sometimes the audio is hard to hear. The quality seems to vary. Perhaps it could pertain to the type of mic you use. It would be nice to hear you speak is all. Keep on keeping on, Rocky. Good luck, Ty. And up yours, Rodrigo. Simply Ivan. Um, well, thank you. First of all, I would agree. Uh, Rodrigo sucks. Um, no, no, no. Really, to be honest... I don't, I don't beg you guys for money most of the time because I feel like podcasts, for the most part, aren't that expensive to run. I mean, it's not like you guys are paying my internet bill. I was going to have internet anyways, whether or not I had a podcast. Um, I had a couple dynamic mics, which is what I use. I, I have them running in through a Akai EIE Pro, which I spent maybe $100 on, and um, and then other than that, I use GarageBand to do all the editing and mixing. So, like I said, I, I don't beg you guys for money every time. There is a donate button on our website, complete completesentencespod.wordpress.com. But I, I don't always ask you guys for money. So that's why, I mean, our quality isn't as good as it could be. I would love to have a studio mic with an awesome radio boom arm. That would be great, but... Um, right now it's something that we can't really do. I got to use these crappy mics that I have. Um, to be honest, whenever we first started this whole venture, we spent way too much on the studio. I mean, the studio that we're in right now is beautiful. It's all granite. It's like, man, it's like 15,000 square feet, um, that we bought just to record, um, it's all granite and chrome and bullnose which I'm not even really 100% sure what bullnose is but the the realtor that sold it to us told us it it is a very very pricey material um, then again he was wearing a cape and had an eye patch on so I don't know I'm just gonna have to take it for what it's worth um, but yeah we paid cash which we had been saving up for a really long time we paid cash for the studio and after we moved in the studio, we were going to start moving our equipment in. We realized we don't really have any equipment to do a podcast. We just bought a studio. Um, it's oh my god! It's got a breathtaking view though. The view is amazing. Um, it's it's facing the ocean. I'm not really sure which one, but I mean there are only five to pick from. So you got pretty good odds there of uh, taking a wild guess. I'll give you a hint. Lots of seagull sounds. With just, I think, let me crack open a window. You can probably hear the waves outside crashing on the beach. uh, Beautiful sunsets. It really inspires inspires me to do these podcasts and talk about how much money I spent on the studio. Um, That being said, if you guys ever do wish to donate, that's fine. Maybe I will buy a studio mic, but for now, I am living in the corner of the studio which I mean let's be honest the corner of the studio is pretty massive. Um I have a small cot and Rodrigo comes and goes as he pleases but other than that I mean we're all business here. We have these these shitty mics for now but you know maybe in the future we'll we'll get a sponsorship or a donation. I mean it would be great to to earn some money from this but you know it's not really that expensive and I do it for love of the of podcasting and speaking and keeping in touch with my friends out there. Um, so, you know, fuck it. It's, 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 it's going to be what it is for now. Uh, thank you, Ivan, for writing in. We have your care package on the way. And God bless. So let's get to today's interview. I was fortunate enough to get award-winning actress and scream queen Jessica Cameron to call in for an interview. It uh, looks like in 2010, she was uh, awarded the Golden Cobb for rising bee movie actress. Now, if you're going to ask me what is the most entertaining movie to watch, I'm going to say it's going to be a bee movie. And not a movie about bees, because that is not entertaining. But a movie that is kind of, it's an independent, a lot of them are, uh, my favorites are the independent horror flicks, which you may also refer to as a bee movie, but just a lot of the really cheesy zombie slasher uh snowman killing turkeys for Thanksgiving, uh, monsters that have their eyeballs and faces popping out, uh, just any type of wacky horror movie that doesn't have the biggest budget but is, like, nonstop awesome, that is what a B-movie is for the most part. And Jessica Cameron is known for these types of movies. Um, I first saw her in The Sleeper, a uh, 2012 movie, which... I'm not sure who directed it. Let's see if we can pull that up real quick. I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit while we have her in line. It's a Justin Russell movie. And Jessica Cameron played Cindy. Basically what it is, it's it's a throwback to like a 1981 horror flick. And everything down to the production logos at the beginning, the music. I think they even sold it in a VHS big box set that I'm going to talk to her about also. But this is what I'm into, man. These type of retro flicks and also... If I remember correctly, Jessica Cameron had a terrible death scene in this movie. I think she took a hammer to the head. I'm not trying to give out any spoilers, but something like that happens. Now, actually, I won't say whether or not she lives or dies after she after this hammer explodes her head. So that's not really spoiling the movie. Right? Right. Okay, so uh, Jessica so happy that uh that we we're able to to make the time to get this going. I'm I'm really excited to talk to you. You know, you're the first actress that we've had on the show. Really? Oh yeah.
0: That's awesome. I feel honored.
1: <laughs> we've had a lot of a lot of different, you know, authors and and different things like that, but the first the first actress. So, I'm going to have a lot of questions for you about the uh, about the art form. I hope you're ready for that.
0: Oh, absolutely. I love talking about that. So, go.
1: All right. Cool. Um,
0: it's funny. I there's some people that like get really upset i'll warn you now uh, some actresses who if you call them actresses they'll freak out because they they like to you know actors it's like this weird uh weird thing that some people do in our industry and i find it highly entertaining and it makes me laugh whenever an actress looks at me and says i'm not an actress i'm an actor
1: oh wow i didn't even know that and was like, a thing
0: yeah, yeah it's a total thing uh, i i don't want to call anybody out but i know that my friend was just in a meeting with uh Established scream queen, uh, somebody like the scream queen that everyone knows of, and she she had a big problem with him referring to her as an
1: actress. Wow, oh, well, I have to remember that. I should have. I should. I didn't even think about that before I asked you. I could have totally just like.
0: Answer. I don't care personally. I just I think it's it's comedic and wherever you mention that I was like, let him know so that he doesn't you know get upset you know get upset if an actress.
1: Right. Well, that's that's one of the things that seems kind of fun also about being being an actor or an actress of some type is that in a lot of interviews it seems like they're being difficult just for fun you know like a lot of people just get really weird about stuff like you can't ask me about that
0: i completely agree yeah it's just it's funny that's when you just sometimes have to look at them and laugh
1: yeah no kidding uh, so i guess well the first question is i mean how did you get involved with acting like what 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 made it what made it a go for you
0: you know what, it's actually an interesting story. I It was one of the things that I wanted to do when I was a kid, and I was very analytical as a child, and I had bad teeth, so I kind of completely pushed it off, because I was like, whatever, I have bad teeth, I can't do it. However, uh, I, I, I became a fashion designer, and I did other creative things, and I was in high school, like it sort of came back around, and my teacher really wanted to get involved she was like, You're really good. I was like, No, I don't really care to, you know, for the, the other actors in my high school. So I, I pushed it off again. And then when I was in school in university, it came around where like managers would see me at the bar that I was working at and be like, You're an actor. I was like, No, I'm not. Um, and then, ironically enough, after I graduated university, I'm Canadian, so it's not college, it's university, uh, unfortunately, and I got a quote unquote real job um, and moved to uh, Ohio. My boss had a big problem at my three-month, like, uh, touch base, and it was simply the fact that I spoke too fast. Really? Really. So, so she she thought it was a joke, but it came from her boss's boss. So because of that, uh, she was like, you know just take class. And when I couldn't find a class, she was like, take an acting class and then just talk slowly around the stupid people. And I was oh. like, cool, that I can do. And that's exactly what I did.
1: And then you got bit by the acting bug.
0: You know what? It was one of those things where it was, like, a horrible time in my life because I was having a huge, like, mid-early 2020 crisis kind of thing
1: Yeah. Uh, because I would
0: realized that I went to school and studied and spent all this money to do something that I didn't like the practical use of. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going through yeah, the, I'm, the same
1: thing right now. That's really interesting. <laughs> Go ahead.
0: Yeah. Where like, you're like, oh, my God, what have I done? sucks, you know what I mean because like I had loved fashion so much in school and I loved the idea of it and I loved doing what I like to do with it but in real life it was a boring desk job and part of the thing that I love about it or what I thought about it, was that it wasn't. Um, so to do it corporately or to make any money off of it you kind of have to just suffer through the boring desk job. Um, so it was amazing for me because what happened was I found something that made my boring desk job okay. You know, I could suffer through, you know, 14 hours of borderline slave labor that I hated just so I could get to that acting class, just so I could, you know, rehearse that scene. And it was creative and challenging and difficult and pushed everyone I had and took me out of my comfort zone. And I just loved it. So I, for years, I just took classes. That's all I did. I just took classes on evening and weekends in Ohio and all the surrounding states. You could drive to, like, Michigan and Pennsylvania and Kentucky and all these places. Um, so I would drive to, to take whatever classes or workshops I could, and after about two years of that, my acting coach was like, you know, you have to, you just have to start working because there's no classes for you to take. And I was like, yeah, but I'm not really, you know, I wasn't looking for a second job. I wasn't looking, you know, my fashion job was paying my bills and I was paying them very comfortably. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had, like, you know, the best of both worlds, you know, where I was making a really good living um, doing the thing that I hated. But then I had, you know, because I'm Canadian, so we tend to be workaholics a bit. So I could work, you know, for, you know, 65 hours a week, 70 hours a week. And then I could still fit in 20 hours of acting stuff. Pretty Holy easy.
1: cow. That's, that's, cra- so, that's a crazy amount of time.
0: Yeah, it is. But like when you like, you just do it. Yeah. You know, like it, it wasn't an issue because I loved it so much. You know, I literally just would like eagerly power through my day to get to the next class, to get to this, to get to that. And the cool thing about when you work so much, you don't really have time to sort of stop and be like, wow, I hate this, but I love this.
1: Right. So, so
0: when I started, I, then I started, when I ran out of classes, I just started uh, auditioning. And luckily for me, Ohio is a, what they call like a, a weekend warrior sort of market, which basically means that there's a lot of filmmakers where they have day jobs. So a lot of filming takes place evening and weekends. So it wasn't uncommon for me to, you know, leave work at like 830, drive a half hour two a sets. You know, be in makeup 45 minutes, shoot for five or six hours, get home at like 3.30, you know, sleep for three, four hours, wake up, go to the day job and repeat. Um, You know, and I did that for a couple of years as well until I finally felt that I cut down all my expenses and I could live comfortably on very little money. And then, you know, it was time to, to get rid of the day job.
1: Right. Well, and that's strange, too, because I, I wouldn't really picture Ohio being a place where an actor can really, like, you know, get their feet wet. That's, that's pretty interesting.
0: Well, you know what? The reality of the matter is everywhere is technology today has made filmmaking so expansive that everywhere in America and Canada, there's people filming something. You know, you just can't get away from it. You know, there's people in Arkansas, Oregon, you know, they're everywhere. And the good news honestly, with Ohio, you know, if you're dedicated, you can just Ohio's ideal and honestly. For me personally, if I had to live anywhere and work a day job somewhere and then do acting on the side, Ohio's a perfect market because you get all these people that are doing it because they love it. They, there's a lot of people in Ohio, especially who uh, know how no technical filmmaking skills because there's a lot of industrial and a lot of commercial. So you get these people that do these like two hundred thousand dollar McDonald's campaign commercials, you know, Monday through Friday night nine to 5, right. And it's filmmaking but it's just narrative, you know, it's not a story. And they just want to tell a story on the weekend. So they'll make a kick ass short or they'll make something else, but it's well lit, the sound is good, the quality is really high. And then on top of it with Ohio, what's really nice is like you're a three hour drive from Michigan, Pennsylvania, Indiana. Uh, you know, West Virginia, Kentucky, your six-hour drive to Chicago, nine-hour drive to New York. You know what I mean? So you're really not impossibly far from anyone. Right. You know, and it's just a matter of, is it easy to, like, you know, work all week and then wake up, you know, Saturday morning at four in the morning so you could drive five hours to a film set? Not easy, but if you love it, you do it.
1: That's a really good point. Um, it does seem like, you know, in a smaller... Not necessarily like a smaller state, but compared to like the West Coast with filmmaking, if you're in Ohio, a lot more people seem like they're they're doing it, and they're they're doing it with not enough money, but they're doing it for the uh, for like uh, the love of it, you know.
0: Absolutely, and that's exactly what I was. So you know, it, you know, and it it was great because I found that I was still getting what I hated about that was that I wasn't getting enough creative fulfillment, you know, and I was hating it. So I found a way to get that creative fulfillment. And still uh, not drastically change careers until I was ready, you know. Because like the reality of the matter is, it takes you years before you can earn a living, and then it's going to be a very small one. You know Mm. what I mean? So, so just be like, I'm going to be an actor, and then dropping out of it. You know, you have to have a resume, a real, um, you know, a website. You have to have all these things. You just do.
1: Well, before we get into you taking taking the jump to uh, move to the West Coast, well, describe to me your first audition.
0: <laughs> that is actually a funny story. Uh, it was for uh, it was for a movie called The Dead Matter, and it was with a director called Ed Douglas, who I'm still friends with today, and I adore that man. I think so very highly of him. Uh, he's wonderful. And it was actually held at Precinct 13, which is a studio. It's in Mansfield, Ohio, which is about an hour, an hour, 20 minutes north of 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 Ohio or of Columbus. So we had a little bit of a drive there. Um, and Robert Kurtzman is an icon, in my opinion, as well as a wonderful human being, but just an absolute icon. You know, he did the Wishmaster series sure. and a bunch of other stuff that's very well known. Um, so when I found out that this was, like, my first audition. It was kind of crazy. So it was such a big one for me. So I went into the studio, and it's, like, the coolest thing ever, and they have all of their, like, pieces and work that they've done. So there's, like, pieces from the Wishmaster set. There's, you know, the glassware that Robert Kersman's character, like, went through. There's, you know, these monsters and beasts and, you know, the snake from Jennifer Lynch film and all this other crazy stuff. So, and it's so distracting. Um, and then they had me read, which was a generic side. It was just like a a random side, meaning it wasn't specifically to any any one role or character. And then based off of that, they asked me if I was okay with reading for the female lead. And I was like, I sure am.
1: Wow. Um,
0: And then they put me in a a little room, another room with uh, like literally one light over a boardroom table surrounded by all this creepy stuff. Uh It gave me like five minutes to to work on, like, six or seven pages of dialogue. And, like, in the one scene, I... My character, like, had to... It's called for her, because she... Like, the guy was frozen. I don't want to spoil the movie, but he was immobilized. And my character, to show power and dominance, like, licks him. Mm -hmm. So, like, literally, I walked into the first part of the audition, and I was like, um, hi, I'm Jessica, and the actor is reading with his name, Chris, a sweetheart of a guy, and we would become friends after and I'm like, so is it okay if I lick you and kiss you? <laughs> like, sure. Uh, Knock
1: okay. yourself out.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, but it was so funny because we had um, Gary Jones reading fiction. and in the middle of the scene, like he just, like he just got so into the scene, he forgot to read the stage direction. <laughs> so <laughs> there's like that pause where I'm like, you're supposed to do a job. Um, so yeah, so perfect um but so I, I go out and i work on this other part of the scene and i come back in and then they start asking me about you know my availability and we ran some improv and i have a really awesome four movie scream that i didn't know i had until this audition um so we're you know we're talking all the details and the specifics um about like you know can i do it can i take four weeks off of work um, luckily for me, the company I was working with was pretty easy about that kind of stuff. You know, I definitely could have just because I had so much vacation time that I never used. Um, so that was all fine and good. And then I was so heartbroken because after all that, they, you know, somebody on the higher up was like, nope, all the leaves have to come from LA.
1: Well, so and then, I, and so you got cut?
0: Uh, they gave me a smaller role. Uh, and they actually cast, like, a really pretty blonde girl uh, that's so funny. It's, like, when I was on set, everyone was like, you look just like her. I was like, yes, I know.
1: Uh,
0: um, but it was, you know, honestly, it's fine. You know, I had my, I went and I approved. I didn't that, like, you know, what people say in the audition rooms doesn't necessarily translate. So, to, like, you know, to actually happen. So when they in the room when they're asking me about my availability, can I book it off, da-da-da-da. So I literally went the next day. I was like, I need to book offices for a week because I shot. I'm going to shoot this movie. So It was like a really harsh lesson to go back and be like, so about that, it's not happening. They gave me like a much smaller role that I have to shoot in like a day. No, but you know, at the end of the day, it was still fun. I, I still loved working with them. It would have been insane to actually get and shoot a lead role, anyways, in a you know such a large scale feature film for my first audition ever. But it was, an, it was very interesting from a story standpoint.
1: Well, I mean, and, and what a compliment that is, too. On your first audition, you go in, and with the talent and the look you have, they automatically bump you up to the lead role. And just because the higher-ups said it had to be from L.A., you know, I mean, that's still awesome that they thought that highly of you on your first audition.
0: Yeah, it's great. And I've maintained friendships with both of them now, and I still hope to work with them again. Um, and I, I had so much fun on the set. It was a really, really great time, honestly. And they were such great guys. And I loved like the rest of the casting crew. They were wonderful. So it's one of the things where it is what it is. Right. And at the end of the day, you can't win them all. So the fact that I came so close on like my first time out of door, you know, is just it is what it is.
1: I think yeah. I think that's a I think that's a huge accomplishment in my in my opinion.
0: Thank you. I, You know, I took it as such. And I, I still, like, you know, when they said, well, we want you for this, can you do that? I was like, sure. You know, happy to help out. So, right. you will see me. I'm, like, female victim. I'm in, like, the big battle scene.
1: <laughs> I would love to be a victim in a, in a horror that. movie.
0: Dude, it's a lot of fun.
1: Well, uh, okay, I want to...
0: Like, a big blood and sometimes it's making an unpleasant...
1: I can imagine that. Yeah, and I hate sticky stuff, but like, is the fake blood, is it, do they all use one type of fake blood for all different sets, or is it different in different movies?
0: No, it's totally different in every movie. Um, and like, whether it stains your clothing, your skin, totally different depending upon the ingredients that they use. Yeah. And then some, you know, it also depends because different blood looks different on different types of cameras. So it depends, like, are you shooting HD? Nowadays, like a year ago, you had to ask that more than you do now. Pretty much everything people shoot now is like HD or on like a red or really pretty, but you still have to ask technically. So little things like that can make different types of blood look different. Does it
1: does it does it have a pleasant taste?
0: Um, it just sort of depends on the concocture that they use. The ones that are really artificial are kind of very unpleasant. Um, there's ones that are predominantly just sugar, red food coloring, and chocolate syrup, and they taste fine. Right. There's ones that, I don't know what they put into it, but it tastes like minty chocolate, which is weird, but yeah. it's fine. You have to be careful, too, because like you know, depending on how old the blood is, you don't want to get it in your mouth, right? Right. These people have gotten sick from having bacteria in the blood enter into their mouth, uh, so you have to be really careful. Anything that's going in, like if you're using any kind of mouth blood, it has to be something that you've made specifically for, you know, that day kind of thing to go into your mouth safely.
1: Well, that makes a lot of sense. Um,
0: yes, but it's something that a lot of people forget. And it's just because, like, you know, bacteria. Some people, and because blood can get really expensive. We literally went through, like, costings of blood. And it was, we spent on Truth or Dare, we spent, like, four or $500 just on fake blood. Oh, so it I- can add up really quickly. But it was so funny because... She when we were putting together our budget, Carrie Mercado, our special effects uh, genius, came to us and she was like, "We can literally do the three tiers of blood. It could be like 150, 250, or 400, 450, whatever it was. Um, You know, it depends on what look are you going for. What looks the most real? You know, so so there's all different ways to do it, and different ones look better on camera than others. And in my opinion, you shouldn't skip on the blood.
1: Oh no, and. I mean, have you seen the the new Evil Dead movie? I mean, the entire last scene is just raining blood out of the sky. Like a lot of the horror movies, that just you get drenched in blood. It looks like.
0: Yes, I loved I loved that part of the Evil Dead. I didn't like the movie itself, but I liked the effects. and I liked all the blood.
1: Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, was it was a fine reboot, I guess. But to me, like I had to see it because it was the new Evil Dead movie. You know.
0: Oh, we all had to.
1: Yeah, that, that's
0: like the. You know, the Twisted Trap is like, we have to go see it, but at the same time, it kills us. Sure. You know, because we're like, we just died a little inside.
1: <laughs> That's exactly it. We, we had a discussion after we went and saw it, you know, a couple months back. That's pretty much the same exact opinion that we had of it. So uh, Well, how did you become a Scream Queen? Was that something that you set out to do, or is that something you just kind of fell into? Were you always a fan of horror movies?
0: You no, know, I was always a fan of horror movies, but I never really, you know... In the act, in the wonderful world that is film, you don't ever sit down and be like, or at least I don't. I guess there are people who do, but they don't tend to work very much. You don't really sit down and be like, I'm going to do this type of film, right? It's kind of like, here's what I'm getting offered, and do I want to pay my bills this month? You know what I mean? Right. So it just sort of happened that in the Midwest, they shoot a lot of horror films. So I get the horror. If you would have asked me four, five, six, seven, eight years ago, what is your preference for film? What do you want to do? I would have told you in a heartbeat horror, but I didn't set out that well. It wasn't my original intention. You know, because you just you don't have that control. I just wanted to work. So right. my whole my my whole process from the get-go was just, you know, let's work on the best quality projects regardless of genre. And it just happened that a lot of them are horror.
1: And it does seem like a lot of the a lot of the independent movies today, the majority of them are horror movies. I mean, the first performance I saw you in was The Sleeper, and love that movie. That that was a great movie, and that was a, a tragic death that you suffered in that movie.
0: Yes, it was.
1: Man, what you people
0: always like? Why did you die? I'm like because they could afford me for three days. <laughs> <laughs> love Justin, uh, but this is like honestly the the bane of you know honestly. Independent low-budget films are that you've got this amount of money. You know how many days can that afford you? Right. Uh, but I hope to work with him again because I think he's just brilliant. Quite frankly,
1: I any any movie that comes out that is like a, a retro, you know, it. I, I believe even the release was in like a retro kind of big box VHS.
0: They did, yeah. They did limited edition VHS tape. I actually just saw one for the first time at a uh, Italy Fest in Florida. Yeah. I was like, hell yes. I thought it was so fresh and so original.
1: Oh, man. Anything like that, I'm, I'm so into. Like, I'll be the first one there to buy it. That is, that is such a cool idea.
0: I know, and it's such a great way to connect with fans.
1: Exactly. How do you – so you said that you have, like, a really, a really good scream. How do you prepare, like, for a really intense, scary scene where you're running and screaming and someone's chasing you?
0: You know what? Honestly, as far as that kind of stuff goes, it's really just about hitting the gym and making sure that you have the stamina to do it 10 times, 100 times, from different angles, close-ups, wide. You know what I mean? Because it's just, it's physically exhausting. So you really only, in my opinion, should practice on, like, keeping the physicality up because anything else, you'll try to force the emotion. And if you're, you know what I mean. As We've all been scared in our lives, so it's not hard to access what that would feel or look like, to be running from something in the woods. Mm-hmm. I'm, I always just focus on, you know, like, the emotion will be there. If you have the ability to put yourself in the shoes of the character, the emotion will come. So I'm less concerned with that. I, I'm always just more concerned and more focused on making sure that I can physically do it. Because keep in mind, like, you see it, it might be, like, three minutes of that movie, but we shot that, you know, literally over nine and a half hours where I was wow. running in the cold, in the woods, in the dark, in heels.
1: <laughs> and I guess after a certain time doesn't it get like to where you're just tired? I mean, obviously you get tired, but you're just you it's almost like you can't give as good of a performance after 9 hours? Is that ever the case?
0: Yeah, it can be, but it's usually like just so physically you get so physically worn out that it's hard to do anything. That's why making sure that you're in the shape to do it physically
1: is crucial um what what is the what, what would you say would be the best and worst thing about being an actress
0: um it's the best thing it's just the fun and the people that you meet it's like a family every time you're on a new set which is kind of totally awesome you know so i love 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 that aspect um but like as far as like what is a bad thing it probably just like the inconsistency of work you know it's not a here's the thing with being an actor it comes with a lifestyle adjustment mm-hmm. you know what I mean like you have to you simply must get used to not having like a regular paycheck per se you know some months are better than others you have to plan you have to do this you have to do all these things um, and you have to be okay with that some people aren't and that's totally fine Um, and to be like yeah but you know being an actor is about the art it is about the art however it's crucial that you can tolerate that side of it because it's such a big aspect it affects your life every day
1: and it seems like also I guess you you might have to go away for months at a time you know
0: yes you have to like travel you have to be flexible um, and not just months at a time like you know there's times where it's like you'll have to drive three hours to an audition. So guess what? If you don't like driving, might not be the career for you. Or it might make it so that you can't necessarily do it full-time per se, you know, where you might not be able to do it to the extent that you competition can. You know, some people don't like the, you know, memorizing lines. You know, like our, the job is so, it's much more of a lifestyle than I think what a lot of people give it credit for. Mm-hmm. And that can make it really difficult for some to adjust to it. So I always tell people, I'm like, just understand it's a lifestyle. And we can stand here and say, but it shouldn't be, you know, it's not about whether it should or shouldn't be. It is. You know, whether you want it to be or not, it's a lifestyle.
1: Let's go into some listener questions that have been sent in. Um, Sure. Yeah. Gray Sunset wants to know, what's in your DVD player right now?
0: My DVD right now is a wonderful independent film called Wrath of the Crows" by huh. Ivan Zukan. It's a it's a film that was made over in Italy, and I'm a huge fan of his work, um, starring Debbie rashan So I actually haven't seen it yet because I literally just put it in. Uh huh. It's going to be the next thing that I watch.
1: Wow, that's awesome. So I guess you watch. I mean, obviously, you have to watch a lot of independent uh, movies just because you know you might be working with these people in the near future. Yes,
0: well, and that's always the goal. So I, I, do I watch as many independent films as I can, and I love the independent films. So it's always great to see you know who's doing what, where, when, why, how mm-hmm. are they, are they good, you know? And now that I'm into producing more as well, I want to see like actors that I might be interested in casting or bringing on board. You know, what have they done? How, you know, how are they perceived? How does the camera see them? You know, can they get that character arc? You know, and also, like, making sure that the stories I'm saying are original and fresh stories, so that also comes into
1: play. And there's so much that goes into a movie that people really don't think about whenever they sit down for two, two and a half hours and just watch it. They never really realize exactly how much work goes into making a movie.
0: Oh, it's completely insane.
1: Jeez. Um, okay, Boney the Man asks, if you've ever encountered any deranged fans...
0: You know what? I do. I, I'm a big fan of I block pretty quickly yeah. you know, on social media um, because you just sort of have to, um, in my opinion. So I block all the time uh, just when people sort of cross that line. And there's people that they just – sometimes people just don't understand the boundaries that are required in like the whole you see me in movies and I'm I respond to you when you give a post on my Facebook page or something. It's not like I'm, you know, I, I, I do genuinely appreciate the fact that you saw the film and felt enough about it and me to reach out to me, and that's so nice of you.
1: Yeah. But that
0: doesn't mean that I'm in the market for a new best friend, or that I need photos of you, or <laughs> or that you need to be really creepastic. Oh, wow. Uh, so I block a lot. Um, but there's been, you know, times where it's just like you get a little bit concerned, and there's, you know... If, Honestly, the funny thing is really not even fans are usually, the fans are usually a great part. It's usually these like parasites within the industry who are these like, they're want to be filmmakers or want to be actors and didn't star in a movie or you call that all their bullshit or you pass them. them. Um, so those are the people that I usually have more of a problem with outside of the fans. Usually like with the fans, I could just be real and be like, yo, back up, you know, that's a little bit inappropriate. Um, and they're respectful of it. It's usually, like I said, the wannabe filmmakers or actors.
1: Oh wow! I can't. Not cast. So like, so film. So if you pass on on somebody's film, sometimes they'll kind of just like stalk you and just give you shit about it.
0: Oh, they will get so upset. Especially, I'm a really honest person. So you know, it's not. It's not. It has happened before right? I've been like, I'm passing on this film because I don't believe that you have the money to finance it. I believe that you're lying to me, and I don't believe you're telling me the whole truth. You know, I say this without judgment, it's just this is why I'm passing. Uh, and sometimes people get really upset, and ironically, I've never been wrong yet. You know, wow. it's up oh, prove me wrong, make the damn movie, show me that you have the money, and then they don't. Uh, but they'll get really, 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 really upset about it. Well, or like the one time I, I read the script, and it was a really bad script. Uh, and the filmmaker kept on prodding, and I just leveled with him, I was like, dude, I just didn't respond to the script, it wasn't my thing. You know, and he's like, but what are the characters? I was like, I didn't like them. What about this? I didn't like it.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, and it's something where it's like every six months or so I hear from this individual, you know, with some, like, snide, dumbass remark about how, like, I thought I was too good for a script. And I'm like, no, that wasn't it at all. I just didn't like it.
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, and... In that that instance, I mean, honesty is the best policy. You don't want to lead anybody on if you're not into it from the beginning. Why even go for it?
0: Exactly. And I would never want to spend time doing that,
1: you know? Sure. Let's see. Orange Lazarus asked in, um, how awkward is filming a sex scene?
0: You know what? A sex scene, okay, so they're not as awkward as what you would think. Right. like Usually they're a closed set. If they're good filmmakers or if you have a good relationship, you can ask them to close the set. It's pretty standard that, like, unless you need to be there. So you have a sound guy, cinematographer, your camera guy, director. But there's not, like, a lot of superfluous hangers on, right. you know, around. So it's usually, in my experience, because as an actor you're, like, so in the moment – it's less awkward for the actors in the set and more awkward for everybody else in the room like everybody else like the sound guy has to make sure his boom's out in the shot and that he's getting the audio but it's kind of like it's like awkward moment if you're doing it well because it feels like you're like in that room where those people are having sex that you shouldn't necessarily be
1: in right.
0: so in my experience it's not as awkward for the actors it's more awkward for everyone else and because like usually the actors it's like we've been there we've done that you know it's just another day at the office for us. Mm-hmm. So it's usually pretty funny to watch other people's facial reactions because they're usually the ones that are really creeped out by it.
1: I think that's uh, that makes a lot of sense because if I was like if I was one of the guys holding the booms or something, I think at some point I would forget like that it was filming a movie and I just close my eyes all of a sudden like oh I'm so sorry. <laughs> yep, yeah, and then like you hear the shot and we're all cranky. Yeah, exactly.
0: We're and, oh, yeah, <laughs> and we're like, damn
1: it, <laughs> you ruined it.
0: Gosh darn it. So yeah, not so awkward for us, awkward for everyone else. They usually, the, the one awkward that can can happen depending on the set is when you don't know the other actor, and there's like this awkward, like it's like, that. it's essentially like a much more intense version of when you were in grade seven. And the boys and the girls were at a dance. And the girls were on one side and the boys were on the other side. And the teacher, like, forces two of the kids to dance. It's, like, that times a million.
1: Yeah, oh, I bet. When you
0: haven't met the other actor. Because a lot of the time, sex scenes will happen, like, on the first day of shooting. Because they want to make sure that they're going to get it from you without you being difficult. Right. So they'll make you do it on the first day, right? Which is fine. But if you don't know the other actor, that can be a little bit, you know, special. Because there's this whole, like... So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put my mouth on your neck now and, you know, and it's just sort of like, okay, we're going to do that. So, but, you know, usually if you're, if you're smart and you've been the, down the road before, you'll just reach out to the other actor and be like, hey, buddy, we're going to be fake having sex in about a week and a half. We should yeah. probably get to know each other.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, so, and, you know, social media has made it so much easier to get a hold of everyone, including future co-stars there's really no excuse for not being able to get a hold of anyone now.
1: And then a couple more questions that got sent in. Uh, Dewey Inn wants to know what type of music you listen to.
0: You know what? This is like the question that I dread because I'm a horrible person when it comes to music. And the answer is, truthfully, I don't really listen to any type of music. Uh-huh. i worked in the bar industry for years, so I have an unfortunate natural, unintentional ability to tune music out.
1: Sure, I can see that.
0: You know, because it was just sort of a survival tactic when I was in school. So I always feel really bad because I think music is so crucial to filmmaking and to artists everywhere except me. So I'm usually listening to Top 40 as much as I cringe, and I know that I shouldn't say that. Uh, it's usually Top 40. If I have, it's like, as as CDs, still, I still love... Love, love, love Bon Jovi. I'll always love Bon Jovi. He's like one of my go-to. Love him. Uh, I love film soundtracks,
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know, because they, like, remind me of the film itself. It was a good movie. So love that. Um, and I love, I love musical scores that you don't realize are there until after the fact.
1: And, you know, that's really a tough question for, for anybody. I mean, I am a complete music nerd, and I cringe at that question too because I, I can't tell you who my who my favorite, you know, musician is. It's just it's a terrible question to be asked. I'm sorry I threw that at you. Oh, that's okay. It's just <laughs> one of those things where
0: it's like I know that I know that as an artist and as a person I am lacking when it comes to that. You know what I mean? So it's like my weakest moment as a person is my musical indulgences.
1: And then one more from our, our good friend at Mini Killer. He has two questions. The first one would be, what is your favorite movie or movies? And um, he also asks, what what do you want to accomplish in being an actress?
0: Awesome. So, okay. And this is my slight disclaimer because sometimes people will catch me and be like, but I thought you said this was your favorite movie. My favorite movie does, I'm one of those people that gets cravings for films, not unlike pregnant women get for like pickles and ice cream. Right. So it'll change sometimes. But... Uh, two of my favorite all-time films that I can watch all day long, any and every day, uh, would be Natural Born Killers. Yes, right. Which is, to me, should be a staple of every film film fan's collection.
1: Ever, I'm, it's got um, everything you'd want in a movie. Really,
0: it does. It's amazing. It's a breathtaking piece of cinema, um, and the acting, everything about it, is spectacular. In my opinion. Um, so, and I, I consider it a horror film. I know some horror fans don't. I do. I'm like, you have the body count, you have the blood, you have the gore. You've got serial killers. Mm-hmm. It's horror. But, uh, I know that I get into debates with that sometimes. Uh, and then also I love, love Martyrs. Or like a horror film. uh uh-huh. is just amazing.
1: I haven't checked that one out yet. I'm, I'm going have- <laughs> to...
0: Gosh, you must. You should put it in your queue instantly. You know what it is too. I okay. So here's like the thing. When you're like such a fan of the film, uh, the actual director. I want to say, I've blocked him out of my name, my memory because he did something really bad after this. Uh oh. Yeah, it was Pascal Laurier. Okay. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's why I. Here's the thing, so I saw The Tall Man, which he did after, so if anyone's listening to this and you haven't seen Martyrs and you've seen The Tall Man, I'm sorry, please don't hold it against the director, because The Tall Man was a horrible film. It was horrible, it was ridiculous, the story didn't make any sense, the character's sucked. the acting was mediocre, the writing was bad, um, and he directed that as well. But Martyrs, his film prior that he did in 2008, is a breathtaking piece of cinema.
1: Well, I'll, I'll look forward to checking that out then, that sounds pretty awesome.
0: Oh, it's so, and it's, it's one of those movies too where it's like, it's so good on so many levels, you know, it's, it's got amazing visuals, it's got spectacular sound, it's so, it attacks you on the forefront with the opening scene, which is just mind-blowing awesome, and it just keeps going, and it, by the end of the movie, it's, it affects everyone that I've ever heard of on such a deep level, it's, it's so amazing and powerful that a film can do that.
1: There are so many films too that, you know, everybody everybody will will watch it and feel a different way. Like I'm I'm a huge fan of like the Rob Zombie films, and I know I get a lot of people that are just like, eh, they're a little too cartoony. I don't really like them that much. But I I thought House of a Thousand Corpses was was probably one of my favorite scary movies in the last like five to ten years. I would say.
0: Yeah, I really like Tess of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, he's... I also love The Devil's Rejects. I think that, you know, just Bill Mosley and, and the whole group did an amazing job. Mm-hmm.
1: Have, have you seen his uh, his newest one, uh, Lords of Salem?
0: I have. I, I I was not a huge fan of it.
1: I really wasn't either. It wasn't... I felt like it was Rob Zombie trying not to be as Rob Zombie and try to be something a little bit different. Would, See,
0: as like a filmmaker, I look at that and I'm like, oh wow, you had a hard production, buddy. Yeah. Uh, and I went to I went to actually a, a screening where him and Sherry were there, and they were talking about the film, and that's essentially like it just they were under so many constraints, and they had so there's fifty really billion reasons as to why the movie didn't work out the way that it, it they had intended it to. Yeah, but whenever I found that, I was like, oh, that makes sense now. You wanted to make a good movie, it just didn't happen. But that being said, I, I know some people love it.
1: Yeah, and and I could I could see how some people could love it. I just went in, you know, expecting House for a Thousand Corpses or Devil's Rejects or something along those veins, and it was something completely different. And oh, absolutely, it had something a little different too. That like, uh, you know, like it was it was a really scary movie, especially at the end. It was it was just like you you got just bombarded with all these all these crazy like a collage of crazy pictures, and just it it was terrifying on a whole different level.
0: It didn't really bother me at all, because I didn't really know what was going on.
1: It seemed like some type of propaganda film, didn't it, towards the end?
0: Yeah, yeah, and I was like, like the creepy guy like the one scene, I was like, it's cool, you just have to run away from that monster. He's not moving.
1: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know
0: what I mean? Like, I know like, things like that just don't bother me, because I'm like, whatever, just run. It's just another day in Hollywood. That guy hangs out at a Sunset in you know, Highland all the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, don't worry, I know that he showed up randomly at a apartment in Boston. But, but no, like the funny thing was that uh, it, it was this came from Zombie. He was speaking about it so candidly. He was rewriting the script every day. So every day the actors would get a new twelve pages. And according to him, the only thing that is the same from the movie that he had hired the actors based off of, mm-hmm. and the final product of the film is that Sherry Moon Zombie and Ken Foray's characters worked at a radio station.
1: That makes sense, because just just that alone seems kind of like the basis of a Rob Zombie film. I could see how from there it could have gone awry.
0: But everything else about the movie changed.
1: And then also, it's
0: a perspective. When you're like, oh, now I understand why the movie didn't know what it was.
1: It did kind of have that feel, didn't it? Like it just kind of, yeah.
0: But this is what happens. when every day you rewrite the damn thing.
1: And it's in other some other people's hands too. I'm sure.
0: I think he. I think it was pretty much his.
1: Oh, uh,
0: okay. Yeah, yeah. I think he handled it. Was like such a low budget. That was the other thing that he talked about, which is so funny to me because I think it was like nine hundred thousand dollars. Which, uh, for those of you who don't know, that's a fair amount of money to make an independent film. It's actually a lot of money to make an independent film. And, you know, certainly if you're Rob Zombie and people do everything you want for free, <laughs> you know, it should be fine. <laughs> uh, but that being said, it was. He felt it was too low to make a movie off of. Wow. And I was like, oh wow, that's like more money than probably ninety nine percent of all my movies combined.
1: Oh, that's funny.
0: Yeah, it's ironic is what it is. And you're like, wait a second.
1: And then uh at many Killer also asks, What what have you set to accomplish? What do you want to accomplish with being an actress? Is there any set goal?
0: You know, I of course like you want the Oscars and you want the Emmys, you know, and all those things are wonderful to put on your mantle and I do joke about seriously wanting them. Uh, Because I think it's funny and cheeky. But at the end of the day, I am so happy when I'm able to pay my bills. And I'm really thrilled when I make something that people can get behind and be enthusiastic to watch or see. Like the film that we just shot, which is Truth or Dare, which was my directorial debut and I actually co-wrote it too. I'm just thrilled that people give a shit about it. You know? That people want to see it. That people are so excited about it. That just is crazy and wild to me.
1: And I guess you're right. At the end of the day, you're paying your bills, you're doing something that you love, and you're reaching out and, like, touching several people that are that are watching it.
0: Exactly.
1: You know, that's a great way to pay your bills.
0: Yes. And I just want to keep making original, fresh content, you know? Uh-huh. I don't want to... I just I wanna keep on entertaining people and, and making people feel stuff and, and showing them cool things they had seen before and, and letting people into my mind, you know, which is what truth or dare was. It was this crazy concept I had, starting with this villain character that I had, you know, that people seem to be really gravitated towards. So, you know, I wanna do more of that. I wanna continue to tell the stories that I wanna see as a fan that aren't here.
1: And I, I was going through your IMDb page, and I, I want to know a little bit more about Truth or Dare. It, it seems like a really a really interesting project that you're working on. But it, I don't see how you have time for anything, because it, it just shows that you have so many movies right now that are in production. Like, how do you have time to to do anything?
0: Well, you work a lot. I like to, you know, I always, I, I literally, you know, we work seven-hour days, essentially, and we work, you know, 18-hour days, Pretty much. Uh, But like I'm lucky too. Like the other films, when you're just an actor on a film, you literally show up, you get your size, you show up and you do the scenes and then you leave. And then you might show up at the premiere or something, but that's pretty much it. However, so you can see how that's not as time consuming as when you're like the director or the writer where it's like a much more all my life consuming endeavor. You know, you still have to promote it, you still have to do all this stuff, but it's not, it's not quite on the same level as when you're a director or producer of the project. So that's why you'll see that, you know, I've got several projects that I am, but I only do one of those at a time. The other thing about being an actor is, like, some of the stuff, you know, it just, when you're an actor, you're working on somebody else's timeline, you know? So, you know, that movie that I did, uh, and I might have honestly done two years ago, might just be coming out now. Oh, wow. I've not worked on it in two years.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, like, uh... The Legend of Grassman, which is in post-production, I shot that in, I think it was 2011. Yeah, it was before I moved to L.A. So, I mean, you know, yeah, I'm totally in it, and I love the people behind it, and as soon as it's done, I'll promote the crap out of it, but I haven't really had to do anything on it for two years, other than mention in interviews. Um, You know, To Jennifer was shot earlier this year at Grim Becoming. I just shot in uh, Buffalo. That was super fun. Um, Mother's Blood same thing Mother's Blood was
1: 2010 wow yeah
0: so so it's and it's like one of the things where you just have to have you just you have to keep working away at it because it's you know you have a gap in your schedule if you're not constantly working so a lot of it's like, yeah, I am working on them, or I just recently worked on them, but even like A Grim Becoming, you know, I shot that. I don't have anything more to do with that because I'm just an actor in it until it comes out, and then I'll just promote it, which is not going to take much time.
1: Tell me a little bit more about Truth or Dare and what we what we can expect and, you know, when, when we'll be able to to check it out.
0: Absolutely. It's, it's honestly this bloody, vicious, mean uh, torture flick, uh, and it centers around a main character who just wants... To be famous and he just wants friends, and effectively, uh, he he's that guy that we all know. He's actually modeled off, the, off the, after an actor that I know specifically. Um, and because I was like, I wonder what would make this guy snap. So, in our story, six people get internet films or they get internet success overnight by making a truth or dare video, and in our world, uh, this leaves him to sort of start his spiral into madness because he wants what they have. And, and he, he kind of takes them hostage and forces them to play by his own roles. And it gets really bloody and really nasty really
1: quickly. Wow, that sounds really awesome. Um, when, when can I expect to be able to, to see this movie?
0: Well, luckily for us, we're right now we're in post-production. So we're expecting uh, to be doing festivals in the fall. And hopefully into the new year, and then ideally we'll get a distribution uh, deal and be out sometime in 2014. That's kind of out of our hands. It's sort of like when the distributors want to do it. So fingers crossed. Stay tuned. Mm-hmm. You can go to uh, www.truthordarethemovie.com, and we still have like our contribution section up. So you can for 25 dollars you can pre-order a copy of the movie, which means as soon as it's done and we've done our festival runs before finalizing our distribution deal, we're going to send out copies to like the hardcore fans. So you should definitely check that out. Um, just our way of sort of making sure that we can get it to the fans sooner. Because it always sucks. Because, you know, in theory, we could sign a distribution deal on January 2014. And they could say, guess what? We're going to release your movie to American audiences on March
1: 2015.
0: Wow. You know, and that has happened. It sucks, but it happens.
1: And that's that's a really cool way, too, to give back, like like you're talking about. Do like a pre-release and then send out the DVDs to the, to the real fans of the movie. Because... With, with social media and everything nowadays, there are people that can't wait to get their hands on it. And unfortunately for them, it's it's whoever, like you said, whoever is up to releasing it. So that's really awesome that you're sending out copies like that.
0: Oh, absolutely. And go forward, what we want to do is we want to sort of, you know, we kept, uh, we did an Indiegogo campaign. It was really great because it enabled us to get in touch with the fans so much better, so much quicker. So it's keeping these people on board of like our progress and what we're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's making sure that everyone's on the same page and getting them involved. And the goal, ideally, is to make sure that, guess what? You know, the next film that we make, you're on the email list. You're getting the behind-the-scenes photos because you've been with us for this long. You know? So the goal is to continue doing it and then keep on amplifying it.
1: And this this movie is, I, I would imagine, this is, this is your baby, right? I mean, you, you directed, you wrote, you starred in... Yes, and I'll never
0: direct and star again. It's a nightmare. I don't recommend
1: it. That was my next question, is if you'd ever do that again. It seems like it'd be a tremendous amount of work.
0: No, never. Never again. I'm not. That's... No, never. Wow. Nope. it's just too freaking difficult.
1: I can't... Yeah, I can't imagine doing it. And there are a lot of actors that probably never go through with it, just because it seems like just a shitload of work to go through. It
0: is. And it's, like, one of the things where it's just so... It's just so difficult because it directly conflicts with each other right you know what i mean so it's one of the things where you're just better off to not in my opinion don't ever do it i tell everyone i'm like don't it's no it's an absolute freaking nightmare don't do it you know they just you either behind the camera or you're in front of the camera but don't try to do both
1: so everybody we're all gonna we're all gonna stay tuned in to truth or dare and see whenever it comes out i can't wait to see it like i said so um I've kept you for almost an hour at this point, you know, I'd, I'd like to thank you so much for calling in. Um,
0: My absolute pleasure, we'll have to do round two.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely, and before you go, just just one question, um, I guess, what kind of advice would you give to somebody that wants to break into acting?
0: You know, I think to really look at it strategically and have a plan, you know, plan out, you know, Plan to have your lifestyle upgraded and changed. I always tell people, I'm like, for at least a couple of years prior to, you know, cut down all expenses. You know, don't have cable. Pack a lunch. Don't eat out. Don't go out. You know, these kind of things. So that's what it's going to take. Um, and then just really hustle. So the reality of the matter is, in our world, you don't have time to be sitting and not doing anything. You know, mm-hmm. you never see me without my laptop or phone in my hands unless I'm in a meeting. Period. Because there's not enough hours in the day. There's just not... Um, so to really be prepared to, if you want to do it as a full time job, be prepared to work harder than you've ever worked in your life and good things can come. But also to know that guess what, if you're one of those people that needs a regular income that doesn't want to, you know, that, that wants to go out and buy their lunch every day and you know, you don't want to give up these comforts that you've grown accustomed to, that's fine. You're probably... More of a weekend warrior kind of actor, which is totally fine. Where you work a day job and make a fair amount of money, and then you do it on the weekend, which is cool. I think the trick is just knowing which one you are, because if you you can't have both, you can't, uh, you know, be spending large amounts of money when you're trying to do your creative career for the first couple of years. It's just too difficult. So really figure out where your priority lies and understand that it's a lifestyle choice. It's not just a career. Unfortunately, like being a starving artist is a lifestyle choice.
1: Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, that, that, and that makes a lot of sense, too. So people can reach you at jessicacameron.com, um, on Twitter, at Jessica Cameron, and also on your uh, IMDb, IMDb page at Jessica Cameron. I love how you keep it simple like that. You can't go yeah. wrong.
0: No, we've got to be easily findable, easily accessible.
1: Is there anywhere else that people can, people can get in touch with you, or are those the main main ones?
0: Those are the main ones. Like I'm always, You'll see I'm always on Facebook. I'm always on my Twitter, obviously. I'm a huge Twitter fan. I'm actually a Twitter-aholic. I wonder if they, make a, they should make some kind of program for that. Um.
1: <laughs> they will soon, I'm sure. All right. Well, thank you so much for calling in. And, and yeah, I, w- I would love to do a round two in the near future. And uh, maybe even after Truth or Dare comes out, we can see where, uh, where you're at then.
0: Awesome. I would love that.
1: Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. And we're going to take a short break and we will be back after these messages. enjoy making telephone calls, but tired of hearing this sound.
0: We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in
1: service at this time. You can call 347-RING-CSP and leave us a message anytime you want. Hello? I know what a lot of you are saying. You're saying, hey, voice man, my phone only uses numbers. Well, in your case, you can dial 347-746-4277. Operators are standing by. So that's the show, guys. We did it. You know? As a team, we did it. We made it through this show. Couldn't have done it without the help of Jessica Cameron. That's for sure. What a, what a great interview. Please check her stuff out at jessicacameron.com and also keep up to date with everything that's going on with her IMDB page at Jessica Cameron. Coming up next week on the show, we're going to talk about the Dewey Decimal System, french fries or tater tots, keeping your combs clean, and when it comes to chewing bubblegum, just how long is too long. All that and more on the next CSP. Until then, guys, please rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, Pretty much give us a thumbs up or a like on whatever website you see us on and just hug a grandma, you know, even if it's not your grandma. There are a lot of grandmas out there and they all need love because they're great people. Okay, that's it. Cut it.